1: All right, everybody, welcome back to the Animation Station podcast. We have a special part two interview with uh, Marissa Linty. How are you doing, Marissa?
0: Doing great. Thanks for having me back.
1: No problem. And unfortunately, Gavin is not in this episode. He is in Disneyland.
0: How dare he?
1: Exactly. I mean, (laughs) he he just decides to often go whenever he wants.
0: Well, that's all right. We have a one-on-one chat.
1: Exactly. One-on-one. (laughs) <laughs> so uh, now Marissa we talked uh, the last time we talked was back in February yes so it's been a while
0: it has good to talk to you again
1: exactly same to you oh, um, now you just ended because um, we can talk about this finally you just finished uh, Nambaka season 2 yes yeah how did how what's your reactions from season 1 to season 2
0: uh, I mean I loved both seasons but season 2 ends Spoiler alert for those of you who haven't finished Namaka, Season Two ends on a cliff. So sad about it. My girl Momoko didn't come back. I guess she to... was gone for what the last three episodes. Uh, no, she was gone for most of season two. Oh man. Um, and it was really sad for me because I was like, my girl's gone. But luckily, uh, I also voiced Ku, the cat. So. Mm-hmm. I was in and out of the booth a couple times, just being like, "Hey, here to be the cat for like, you know, however long it takes." And uh, the cat recording sessions are fast because I literally just go in and go, Wow, meow, meow. <laughs> okay. meow," and it's like, "All right, you're done." I'm like, cool. Um, but I also got the opportunity to uh, assistant direct for Nambaka, and I did a lot more in season two than I did in season one. So. Even though I didn't get to voice a lot in season two, season two is still very close to my heart, and I still have my dirty fingerprints all over it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Um, Who who was the, so you assistant directed, who was the director?
0: Aaron Dismuke.
1: Aaron, okay. Okay.
0: Yes, he is absolutely amazing as a director. And uh, the thing that I really loved uh, for Nambuka was the cast. Um, You know, so many uh, newcomers and old favorites kind of blended together. And the soundscape is great in that show. So I have a lot of respect for him. And it was awesome getting to assistant direct for him.
1: So how does the assistant directing go? How exactly, like, what's the process? Like, when you go in, you get with Aaron. What do you guys talk about? like well, you talk about like structure how 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 Just give us a a glimpse.
0: Assistant directing is a lot like regular directing in that when I actually did my assistant directing, Aaron was not there. Um, So to prepare for assistant directing, I would go in uh, and I would do something called Shadow, which is when I just kind of sit in the back and watch him direct the actors. Um, For a whole day, I, I think I went in for a couple different full days of work where I just sat behind him with a notebook, took notes on How he spoke to the engineer, how he spoke to the actors, what kind of reads he seemed to like, uh, what his specific tricks were for working with this actor or that actor. Because every actor is different. You know, uh, some like to hear the Japanese actor talking in their headphones while they're talking in English. Some don't like that at all. Um, They don't want to hear anything because otherwise it distracts them. Every actor is different. So I'm taking notes on, you know, these actors like this and these actors like that. And you have to talk to this actor in a you know, this way or, hey, this actor is really experienced. Don't bother them. You know, just kind of let them go <laughs> and only tweak them when it's necessary. Like if they say a name wrong or something, um, there's all these different things uh, that I would take notes on. And then he'd be like, OK, you know, from this day to this day, you're directing. So I would come in. I have my little my little key card that lets me into the the building, and uh, I would go and I would set up the booth for the day. You know, turn everything on. The engineer would come; he'd help me set up, and then it would just be uh, me keeping watch on the calendar and being like, "Okay, so and so comes in at six, so at five fifty five I got to go up to the front and grab that actor and bring them back." And then there's paperwork to do. Um, but it's a lot like being the actual director. The only difference is, you know, the actors that are coming in have been pre-scheduled for you. You didn't request them. They're just there. And you're there doing the director's job for him or her and, uh, taking notes on like, you know, like let's say something went wrong in the session or I changed something in the script. I would have to text Aaron or make a little note and be like, Hey, I changed this, you know, this is what happened. And then, uh, As an assistant director, it was also occasionally my duty to um, booth review or mix review the show, which, if you don't know what those things mean, uh, a booth review is when you watch the raw mix of the show, um, like just the the straight recorded audio on top of the anime. Mm Mm-hmm. And you kind of make notes about, oh, we missed this line. Or, oh, that line doesn't really fit in the mouths. Um, And then you kind of lean over to the engineer and you go, hey, it doesn't fit the mouth flaps. Can you uh, move it a little left on the timeline or move it a little right on the timeline? Or can you squish it a little bit artificially? Or can you stretch it a little bit artificially? And if stretching it or squishing it ruins the the line like if it starts sounding uh gross and like roboty and artifacty then you go okay we have to have the actor come back in and do that again so making all those kind of notes making sure that the mix review is good um Then once the booth review is done, it goes off to the mixer. The mixer mixes the show, which is when they make everyone the same volume. They make it so that characters on the left are coming in from your left speaker. Uh, They make it so that characters who are thinking in their heads have like a mental echo effect, all that kind of stuff. And then it comes back to you as a video file instead of being in the uh, program that they use to record. And you watch the whole video file. Basically, you just watch the whole episode and just sit back. And make notes about hey, uh, there's one thing I don't really like. You know, we'll tweak this and tweak that. Um, And for simul dubs, you can only tweak the recorded English audio. You can't do anything about the background music, the sound effects. You can't do anything about it. But for the DVD, you then review the whole show again, and then you can make like, hey, can we make those footprints louder, those footsteps louder, softer? Um, Hey, you know that like weird like uh, screaming. In the in the Japanese track, can we, like, turn it down a little bit or can we turn it up because it's cooler? And uh, the, the main difference between Japanese and English audio editing is that we like things in, like, surround sound, and they really don't. And they also like their music and sound effects louder than the voices generally, and we don't. So um, we can tweak all that in the mix review. And those were some of the things I had to do as an assistant director, you know, aside from just recording the actors.
1: Awesome. Now, you also do a lot of casting, like for Death Battle and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. How does that process work?
0: Um, Well, it depends. Like,
1: say say you get a script, like say uh, the the next one that they're going to do, Chad comes to you, I guess, and says, "Okay, we're going to do Avengers versus Justice League. Mm. So how does how does your casting go into that? Like, do they already have some people that they know that they want to bring in or like what's the process there?
0: It really depends on the episode. So uh, Ben is the showrunner; he makes all the decisions all right. on that kind of thing. Um, Chad does; uh, he's he's more of like the writing overseer. And then, of course, he... Chad was like
1: the, Chad was like the first person that popped into my head. Yeah, I was, like Chad. well, I mean,
0: you think of the show, you think Ben and Chad, but uh, Ben's the showrunner. So and Chad kind of oversees the scripts. So like, and he also like approves a lot of the final decisions uh, along with Ben. So Ben will come to me and be like, "Hey." You know, uh, we're doing this is the next episode. And I'll be like, okay, is there anything specific I need to know? Um, and sometimes he'll be like, yes, for this episode, we want to use uh, so-and-so as this character, but we don't have someone picked out for this character. That's actually something that's happening with one of the upcoming episodes that I can't talk about. Um, they they already have an actor picked out for one of the characters, but the other character I get the opportunity to cast. Um, or sometimes he'll be like, hey, you know, for this episode, like a... Uh, Power Rangers vs. Voltron, which just came out, Uh, he was like, we have a ton of characters to cast and they're all only going to get to say a couple things. So instead of having a big, long casting process, here's a list of YouTubers pick the YouTubers that you think match the characters' voices best, and we'll have this big YouTube cast. So in that case, you know, I Google all the YouTubers, and it was a long list, so I'm Googling all of them, I'm listening to their voices, and then I'm listening to the original voices and going, okay, like, so-and-so matching with so-and-so, but this guy, hmm, I don't know, you know, that kind of thing. And I got to suggest a couple YouTubers as well. Um, but usually, it's two characters, I need a voice match for both of them. And in that instance, the most normal casting process is I Google the characters. um, I find every instance of them being voiced ever. So video games, anime, cartoons, movies, anytime they've had a voice, I look it up and I bring up all the options and then I email Ben and I'm like, which of these is the voice that you want? And sometimes he'll be like, oh, we want this one. Sometimes he'll be like, no, um, you know we would prefer like this one, but like this one is okay too. Like usually it's like we want the one from 1998, but the 2001 one is okay as well. You know that kind of thing.
1: Yeah. Um. So 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 they at least give you some sort of
0: some sort of guideline. Yeah. Okay, good. And then I uh, make up a uh, audition sides, which is basically just a, a PDF document that kind of details like. Hey, this is the character. Here's some lines that you can say to demonstrate, you know, your audition to me. Um, here are the guidelines. You know, we want 1998, but we'll accept 2001 if you think your voice fits better. Um, you know, or, you know, we're looking for like for Wolverine. I was like, Ben would really like to hear your, your traditional cheesy, you know, Wolverine. But if you can do a uh, movie Wolverine, that's fine, too. I'd like to hear those options as well. And then the auditions start rolling in and I listen to every single one and compare it against the original voice. I'll have the original voice open and I'll be clicking back and forth, listening, listening, listening and going, um, so-and-so is really close, but so-and-so does the laugh better or, you know, just kind of comparing. And then whoever just gets the closest, you know, gets rewarded with the, with the part, which is cool um, but it's crazy because it's it's very different from the way that I would cast literally anything else. Um, you know, usually you'd see the character, you'd see the sides and you go, okay, these are the people I want to try out. They'll give me a wide range of stuff. But this is more like who gets the closest to something that's already been done. And in those cases, it actually leads to me uh, discovering a lot of actors because, you know, people will email in and be like, I want to, you know, voice in Death Battle. Here's my information. And if I put them on the audition list, even if I've never met them before, they have just as much of a chance of booking the character as anybody else because I'm looking for that perfect match. And sometimes it's an actor I've never heard of. And uh, a good example is um, the newest episode that's coming out in a couple weeks, Natsu versus Ace. Um I know Natsu's actor personally. Uh, he he lives here in Texas, um, and I've seen him around a lot. Um, he's actually in oh, yeah. Anbaka with me, Howard Wang. Yeah, yeah. He's uh, he's great. But the um, the ace actor, I've never met him before, and I didn't even know he's from the UK. He does a great American accent. I never would have guessed. Um, But, like, that's a a situation where I got to work with him for the first time because of Death Battle, because I needed that perfect match. And now I have the opportunity to go, oh, I could give this guy other opportunities, you know, because now I know what he's like. So few shows give you that, like, open door where it's like, you got to try new people. You got to. Death Battle gives that to me, you know.
1: Now, um, like if you have something like I know you've uh, you've done some casting with Ruby too, correct?
0: Yes, Ruby and uh, Red versus Blue now.
1: So, so. For like say something like that where there's not a previous character like there's not been a previous voice actor before mm-hmm. how does that is, is that a little bit easier for you so you can kind of like listen to different people and decide okay I really like this guy's voice I think he would fit really good in the character or she's really really good at um, this snarky uh, snarky persona so I want to put her in
0: mm-hmm. it's, it's easier and it's harder <laughs> I mean with Death Battle <laughs> with Death Battle it's so easy to know who the uh, part should go to you know you you, you just kind of, whoever gets the closest, you're like, that's the person, you know, absolutely. I've, I'm very confident in every choice I make. For Ruby and uh, Red vs. Blue, the way that it works is I'm a casting assistant on that. Mm-hmm. So um, what I do is I hold the audition. I send out the sides to all the actors who I want to hear. So I go, oh, you know, for this character, uh, he's kind of rough and tough, so so-and-so, so-and-so, and-so, and-so. and so-and-so, and I'll make a big list of, I want to say, like, three. 30 to 40 actors get uh, the Ruby and Red versus Blue auditions per character. Um, and then once the auditions start rolling in, I sit down and I listen to them. And it, this is where it's harder because there's no template. It's literally just me going, which ones do I like? You know, um, and they can strike you for very different reasons. You know, sometimes you'll be like, wow, you know, I didn't know so-and-so could do that voice. And you're <laughs> dazzled. But then you're like, wait. Just because I'm impressed that so-and-so can do this voice, does this mean that they should be submitted around the people who, like, just I know can do this voice? You know, like, I sent it to them because I knew they could do it. Um, You know, and it's just a lot of, like, listening to this person and listening to that person and going, oh, I don't know. They're both really good. Which one? Um, And because I'm a casting assistant, I'm not the casting director, uh, my job is to take those 30 to 40 auditions and pair them down to my top six. Um, And then I send my top six along to Rooster Teeth and they pick their favorite from that pack of six. So I remember um, when we were casting the first, like, mm, I don't want to say the first round of characters. It was like maybe the second or third round of characters. Uh, Whitley, Oscar, Tyrion. um, I I think that's who was in that batch. I had my top six for Whitley. No problem. I knew immediately. I was like, these six guys got it. Uh, and I think it was like, actually, I think it was like four guys and two girls. Um, and same with Oscar. I was like, these guys and these girls, these are the people I want to submit. Um, when it came to Tyrion, I had I had like pared down my list. And I was like, okay, let's go see how many you know files I've got. And it was like 10. And I was like, oh, no, I have to pare this down to six. And I liked all 10 of these. So that was a situation where I just stayed up for, like, an hour listening to every single one and then looping back to the beginning and listening again. And cutting people when you've already decided that you like their audition is the hardest thing to do. Oh, man. You know, and uh, then when I finally got it down to six, I shipped it off and I went, to, you know, it's in it's in their hands now. And they came back to me with their decision. Uh, Josh Greeley ended, Josh, up, yeah. ended up booking that, which is great because he never books, you know, like those kind of crazy villain characters. And he is phenomenal as Tyrion. Um, Every time he came in, like, I have to oversee all the recording sessions, even though uh, we link from Sound Cadence directly to Rooster Teeth. So they're talking over Skype to the actor. Even though I'm just kind of observing and overseeing the session, I was blown away. So it just goes to show that sometimes, you know, having another ear on your auditions is very helpful. And that's something that I've kind of learned as a casting director is to to not be too prideful, you know, because other people who work in your industry and have been doing it longer than you or are more connected to the project than you, sometimes they just know better. And sometimes you just got to call in, you know, another director and be like, hey, these are my top choices. Listen to these. Which one, you know, strikes you as the best? And sometimes they'll say, yeah, you made good choices. Or sometimes they'll be like, I don't know, like none of these are really striking me. And you're like, oh, well, maybe I'm, you know, maybe, maybe my, you know, maybe I have too much tunnel vision in this and I need to open it back up again. But just, you know, being uh, able to ask for help and ask for input, I think is one of the biggest strengths that a casting director can have, because ultimately You're not making the project just for you. You're making it for everyone who's going to watch the show or play the game. And you want to make sure that whichever actor you choose is going to be the one that really strikes everybody. And they go, wow, what a good casting choice. That guy's perfect, you know. And sometimes you're not going to have all the answers. Um, Sometimes you will. I mean, that's why you got hired. If this is why you're hired as the casting director. Sometimes you'll be exactly, like, yeah. you'll be like, yeah, it's got to be so and so. And people are like, yes, absolutely, you are so right. You know, yes, uh, some casting directors are so good, and uh, I'm I'm starting to pick up this skill, but I really want to get better at it. Um, where you can just show them pictures of characters and be like, these are the main five characters in the show, and they'll go so and so, so and so, so they'll just list off actors and they'll be like, done. And then you listen to the Japanese and you go, oh yeah, you're right those people are perfect they can just tell by the character designs and i'm i'm getting there i really that's a skill that i'm always practicing and trying to get better at um but you know even when you're at that level it's just it's a it's a collaborative process sometimes you just got to pull people in and be like here are my top picks you listen to these and then someone will go oh you you you're even asking me it's got to be this guy and it's like well all right you know
1: now between all of your like voice work and your like the, the you know casting directing and the assistant directing. What is like a normal day in Marissa's life like?
0: Ooh, okay. so every day is different, uh, but no, I'm
1: no gonna put you on the spot here. Yeah.
0: Ooh, uh, every day is different, but I'll give you like a um, like an ideal day, I guess when I have the most interesting stuff going on. Uh, so mm, I would wake up 8 a.m, get ready. Get over to Sound Cadence by 9.30. Um, Luckily, Sound Cadence is close to my house, so that's nice. Uh, Get to Sound Cadence by 9.30. Turn everything on. uh, Lights, you know, equipment. Print out everyone's um, paperwork for the day. So if we have people coming in for rooster teeth, there's paperwork for that. If they're coming in for one of our other clients, there's different paperwork for that. Um, Death Battle has different paperwork paperwork than Ruby. All that kind of stuff. Once all the paperwork's printed out, it's all put on the front desk. People are going to start filing in at that point. My staff, my engineers, uh, my boss will probably show up around that time. Um, I usually get there earlier just because I am the uh, CAO, which uh, means that I do administration operations. Um, So it's my job to get there and kind of turn everything on and make sure everything's going. Mm -hmm. Um, Then my boss will get there. Um, Everyone will sort of settle into their studios for the day. Actors will start coming in. Um, Clients might drop by to see how their projects are going. You know, oh, have you recorded this yet? Where are you guys in the process? Uh, Play me some of what you've been recording, that kind of thing. Um, Recording actors, uh, sometimes I'll switch between booths depending on what we're doing. For example, uh, we have two studios, Studio A and Studio B. Studio B is the only one that um, I use for uh, Skype stuff so if it's a rooster teeth project for example usually we'll hop into studio b um studio a is kind of the bigger more spacious studio where we do all of our paperwork and stuff then let's say i have a funimation session that same day well then whenever that happens i sort of pass um you know i pass by everybody and go okay are you okay are you okay what's going on in here make sure everyone's set then i'm out of there getting in my car driving over to funimation doing what I'm doing over there for however long it takes. Um, let's say I'm directing, you know, then I'm I'm doing paperwork and stuff. If I'm just acting, then, you know, acting and kind of going. And then once I get home for the night, that's when I start doing all my online stuff. So I open up, um, my email, see if anyone has emailed me saying, you know, this needs to be recorded. That needs to be recorded. This needs to be cast. That needs to be cast. Um, open up. I, I have a couple of, uh, accounts on voiceover casting sites open those up see what auditions were posted that day all of it's got to get done before midnight and then i get to bed by midnight so that i can get up at 8 a.m the next day
1: but where's the mass effect streaming
0: (laughs) on saturdays on that saturday (laughs) (laughs) yeah this is monday through friday
1: Ah, gotcha gotcha it sounds like you are extremely busy
0: Uh, especially this quarter um we've got a lot going on this quarter, um, sometimes it's a little more chill. Sometimes I actually get to hang out at home and play video games and sleep, but not like during the the peak times during my uh, my work um, seasons when when things are peak, they are busy. And I work at Sound Cadence. If I don't have to go to Funimation, I work at Sound Cadence from ten a.m. Um, to ten p.m.
1: So so what exactly is Sound Cadence? Like is it just like a big like, kind of like a recording studio where people could just come in, you know, do their recordings and then like, you help like what do you help do like help edit them and then send them off to the clients?
0: Sound Cadence uh so Sound Cadence is, is a recording studio. Uh it was founded by Amberly Connors. I want to say Mm, six or seven years ago um i'm I actually might be underselling her it might be older than that um but it moved to texas recently and i joined up about a year ago a year ago um next month actually i believe may is going to be my sound cadence anniversary um i got hired on as a, as a director and, and now i'm the cao um but it's run by Amberly Connors, and it is it is a recording studio, and it's what we have been referring to as an outsourcing recording studio. So unlike Funimation, where they are both a licensing company and a recording studio, and there's like a, you know, the building is both, um, or Sentai Filmworks, which is the same way. They they license stuff, and then they record it in-house. We do not license anything. What we do is we have clients who bring us shows or games or Audiobooks or whatever, and they go, Hey, we need this cast, directed, recorded, edited, and sent back to us, like you know, perfect prepackaged for us to just drop into our um project. And that's what we do we assign a director, we assign an engineer, and then that director will cast, direct, record, edit, and send it off. Um, so yeah, basically what you described. Um, but there is a you know, a sense of like we have a staff. You know, it's not just oh, you know, so and so comes in and they 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 can rent out our space, but it's much more likely that we will uh, completely take a project and sort of oversee the entire thing. Um although we we have had a couple people who rent the space, they come with their staff, they use our equipment and then they kind of go. Um but more often than not, it's either me or Amber, we're the we're the two main directors. Um and an engineer. Being assigned to the project, and you know, my boss will hand me, you know, here's all the information. Here's what the client's about. Here's who they want. Sometimes there's specific actors that they're looking for, or sometimes they they have really vague things where they're just like, we just want actors who are local to Dallas. That's why we're reaching out to you. Okay, cool. Or you know, we want actors who uh, are blank or this or that. And I'm like, okay, can do. And we just sort of take care of it. So we've done a lot of stuff there. Um, we did an anime for Media Blasters uh, that was Rio Rainbow Gate. We did. Uh, we obviously do a lot of the Rooster Teeth stuff: uh, Ruby, Red vs. Blue, Death Battle, DBX, um, which is their you know Screw Attack a subsidiary now. Um, we are doing Victory Bells for Black Chicken Studios. Uh, we did Alice VR for Carbon Studio, um, and I know Amber has done a lot more pre me showing up. A lot of video games: uh, Change. Um, I'm blanking. (laughs) Yeah. uh, Oh, gosh. Uh, Burn Your Fat With Me. That was one that they did there. It's like a little ultimate game. Um, A lot of cool stuff. And and like I said, she's been doing it for way longer than I've been a part of it. So she could probably tell you a lot better than I could. But it is an outsourcing studio where we sort of adopt people's projects and, you know, make them our own and then give them what they ask for. And then... That audio kind of goes off and uh, gets published, and then we take on the next thing
1: awesome. it sounds that sounds like a really cool place to you know kind of really cool place to work and be because it sounds like you're getting a lot of different, you know, studios and people coming in and all kinds of different works.
0: oh, yeah. and it's very interesting, you know, to kind of get there in the morning and be like, all right, you know, first we're working on, uh, you know, we've got a Ruby recording session, which is all prelay, lay and, and then we've got uh, some video games to do, and video game workflow is so different from animation workflow. It's like, all right, change gears, you know, now we're doing this, or, and then we've got a visual novel, and the visual novel is hours upon hours upon hours worth of recording, you know, and yeah. sort of scheduling all that. It's, uh, it's a little crazy compared to how I'm sure, like, a, a studio that just kind of has their own work and only does that work. I'm sure their workflows a little cleaner. Um, ours is a little hectic, but once you see it all done, um, it's it's fantastic. And it, it is a very fun place to work.
1: Nice. Now, kind of going back on the um, on like the voice acting aspect as of right now. Is there anything that, you know, upcoming that you're going to be in or anything that you want to promote right now?
0: I can kind of tell you about some stuff that's coming out on DVD. Um, Pandora and the Crimson Shell Ghost Urn, which I, I voiced uh, Samantha, that's coming out on DVD. And uh, Divine Gate, where I played uh, Samadare, that's coming out on DVD uh, in the next couple months. And Rio Rainbow Gate, the anime that I mentioned earlier that Sound Cadence did for Media Blasters, is also coming out on DVD. That's May 2nd. Um, and I play two characters in that, Cartier Goldschmidt and Choco. Um, everything else is kind of still a secret. we've got gotcha. We've got some really cool stuff coming down the pipe that I cannot wait to talk about. Uh, a lot of it out of sound cadence. So um if you are interested in you know keeping tabs on that cool stuff, I do recommend uh keeping tabs on sound cadences social media because that's where a lot of it's going to be coming out of.
1: Now Marissa, if uh, our wonderful listeners want to follow you, where can everybody follow you on?:
0: So they can follow me uh, on Twitter. At Lenti Soup, um, they can follow me on Facebook. Uh, it's just slash Marissa Lenti, um, and if they would like to go to my website, it's www.marissalenti.com.
1: Excellent, and you can follow the show at Animation Station Podcast on Instagram and at Animate Podcast on Twitter. Marissa, thanks again so much for following for following us <laughs> for, for coming on an episode. I just followed Sound Cadence, so fantastic! Thank you. Uh, no problem so yeah so again thanks for coming on with us if there's anything you want to promote in the future just want to talk to us just let us know we'd be happy to have you
0: on again oh absolutely
1: all right thanks again marissa thank you for the animation station podcast i'm josh i'm marissa still don't have a sign off
0: oh Oh. and we'll see you guys next time perfect (laughs)